0: The information provided on this podcast does not, and is not intended to, constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. And I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because
1: someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. Ren, I'm so excited. Are you? And I just can't
0: hide it. (gasps) We're about to talk to Ryan Mason about sex education.
1: And I think I like it. You know, uh, it's a really important topic, this intersection between like sexuality and disabilities. And I we're gonna be speaking to an expert and yeah, it is going to be a fantastic conversation.
0: Yes, Ryan is fabulous. Um, If you are listening with small kiddos in the car or in your home, this, you know, this is, she's not, graphic, but uh, this gets a little bit, as I like to say, spicier than some of our other episodes. So um, just be aware of that before you listen, um, and we hope you enjoy it. But before
1: we jump in, let's check out Disability in the News.
2: U.S. Senator Brown from Ohio wants to update the Supplemental Security Income, SSI, program that provides financial assistance to nearly 8 million seniors and people who have disabilities in the United States. He has introduced a bill that will increase benefit lenders that hasn't been updated since the 1980s and stop punishing program participants for having jobs, marrying, and saving for the future. He is trying to incorporate parts of his proposal into the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package that Congress will be considering in the upcoming weeks. The most money SSI recipients can currently receive is $794 to individuals or $1,191 to Huckles and Nuts. Which is far less than the minimum wage. SSI is a sole income source for 60% of people who receive the benefit. Brown says SSI's outdated rules make it impossible for beneficiaries to live with dignity. The program has had few updates since its creation in 1972. The pipeline only lasts than $2,000 or less to be in the account every month. Brown's deal will update asset limits and income news to compensate for inflation. He proposes raising the asset limit from $2,000 a month to $10,000 a month per individual and $20,000 a month per HEPA because they would allow people to earn up to $400 a month from their part-time job without affecting benefits, and it would eliminate a benefit cut that happens now if two SSI beneficiaries married.
1: All right. Thank you again, Ryan, for joining us today. We are very excited to have you on the show.
3: Thank you guys for having me. It's so great to be here.
1: We, we also know that on top of blazing trails in all of these other areas, um, that you're also a sex educator. And we'd love to hear a bit about the intersection between disability and sexuality, which is something that I've always been fascinated with because I used to work with folks with developmental disabilities. So this was something that came up a lot in that realm. So I'd love to hear your take on it.
3: Absolutely. That's so awesome. Um, so for me personally, I have always kind of been this person with four million interests um but my (laughs) my interest in human sexuality my um actually my first degree I went to from undergrad I went to James Madison University and um originally went having absolutely no idea what I was going to do I was very new to my disability had just started having use a cane um had originally honestly wanted to be a dancer. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And my uh, disability kind of you know, took that from me. And I had to kind of rethink what my future was going to look like. And I was an EMT at the time. And I was like, okay, well, let's, healthcare looks good to me. But the, at the time, the nursing school's wait list was like six semesters long. And they wanted to send me back home to wait to enter and i said you know what no i'm 18 i'm a new freshman in college like i'm going with my friends now um and so i kind of had no idea what i was going to study and i ended up hooking up with a professor up there that said well i do a concentration in human sexuality for health sciences students for more of like a public health ed degree i said okay all right i can do this um sexual education had been something I'd been passionate about my entire life because I grew up in the rural South. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, um, where health education is non-existent was non-existent. It's gotten a little better. Um, but I grew up with super hippie parents that, um, were, very open. Um, sex was just something that was talked about at the table. It was not anything that was ever taboo. If I ever had any questions, I would probably go and ask my mother. <laughs> um, my mother and I would trade sex toy websites. Like This was just a total normal thing in my household. Um, grew up using the anatomical names for genitalia. Uh, mm-hmm. remember being in kindergarten. I fell on the the playground and hit my pubic bone on a slide and they asked me where it hurt and i said my vagina and got sent to the principal's office (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that Uh, was
1: it Mm. you mm -hmm. wouldn't think it's true but it feels very true doesn't it (laughs) yeah it it was like 1997
3: like it was
2: yeah
3: mm -hmm. Uh, my my mother was not happy when she came into the principal's office to say uh she got in trouble for using correct terminology i'm sorry what Uh, Yeah, so that had been a theme my whole life. And because I was had that background, um, heck, my maternal grandparents were registered nudists, like, this was just my mom's an artist, there were so many books of nudity, and it's just a normal part of my life. And so when we got a little bit older, when I was a teenager into college, I was always that friend that people were coming to, like, "Hey, I have this question about sex," and it wasn't because I was like this uber experienced playgirl. It was just because I was a total nerd, and at you know twelve or thirteen, sex was something that terrified me. And I was a bookworm that talked to like no one back then. So I was like, "I'm going to get good at this. I want to know what I'm doing." And so there were a lot of like textbook level studying at like 13 or 14 because that's just I, I was a bookworm and if I wanted to know something that's where I turned and so and I had no issue you know at answering my friends questions most of my friends were guys who had absolutely no resources <laughs> to turn to except for porn so they would come to me and I can remember sitting on uh, my friend's patio at parties Um, and because I, you know, my disability, I couldn't walk around too much. So I was always, this was my seat and my friends would just kind of filter in and they'd have talks with Rye and it was Rye's porch talks. And it was usually about, you know, sex of some sort. And I had people that I barely knew that met me through friends coming out to me on that porch and they'd never had that conversation with anyone in their whole life but just because they felt comfortable and they felt like they were not going to be judged. So I said, you know what, what if I studied this? <laughs> and So I did and um, went on after that to very short, briefly work for Planned Parenthood, did some um, sexuality education things for them, loved it, uh, but missed working at the bedside so much, missed being hands-on with patients instead of just educating. And so ended up going back to nursing school and becoming an ER nurse, which worked very well with my sexuality degree, just very well. <laughs> but um, When I developed my platform, i um, Chronically Rye on my social media, um, I started doing these kind of car ride conversations, these videos where it was literally just me talking to a camera, ranting about my day at work usually. And it turned into people inboxing me questions they had about life with a disability, sexuality in general. So I remember one day asking, hey, I wanted, I've never done a video specifically on disability and sexuality. What do you guys want to know? The feedback was ridiculous. Like it was pages of questions. And I'm like, okay, we have found a need. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I said, all right, well, let's make a new video series. And I started doing these video talks of just, you know, what do you guys want to know? What is not being talked about? It went completely viral. People went nuts because they're like, no one is talking about this. You know, if you, none of my, so I had friends who were new spinal cord injuries who said, you know, I was injured and sex was never talked about again. It was basically looked at as if, okay, you're disabled now. Sorry about your sex life. That's it. You're that's not going to be a part of your life anymore. Um, there was so little out there specifically tailored for disabled bodies of sexuality. There was at the time little to no sex toys um that worked for people with issues with hand dexterity. Um, I mean, it was just there was nothing. And so I started doing research and I found little bits here and there and started just bringing them to light and using my platform to kind of show that, hey, this is a thing that is happening. Yes, we are disabled, but yes, we are still having sex. And yes, we are still sexual beings who are worthy of at least that education to decide what we want to do with it. Um, And so that's kind of where that came from. And I love that intersection because something that you don't really think about with people with disabilities is we are constantly having to have our bodies ogled at and poked and prodded at, and you lose a lot of that autonomy because your body is just this thing that you go to healthcare facilities and they poke and prod you and okay, you don't really feel sexy that often. Like I lost a lot when I was going through all my surgeries and everything. I didn't feel sexy. I felt like a medical minefield of just kind of like all right, why would anybody want to be with this like mess of scar tissue and wobbly joints and things? And it took me a little bit to get back to Wait, no, I have a more intimate relationship with my body because of how quickly, and I mean, how often I've had to face it head on and how often I've had to battle it. And so I run into with my like disability and sex education, you find out that a lot of disabled humans are much more... Um, forthcoming and interested in the intricacies of their sexuality, things that a lot of able-bodied people have not had to consider because they've had to face the physicalities of their body head on so many times. (laughs) So it's been a fascinating journey through um, disability and sex education. I have loved getting to kind of flex that part of my brain that I hadn't gotten to use in a while through these videos. And the fact that it's taken off like it has has been incredible. Um, Coming in October, I will be speaking for the National Institute of Health as their uh, diversity and disability uh, sex educator. So it's like, take it off, which is awesome for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. That's, that's really cool. I am also like, side note, almost alarmed by the extent to which you and I have lived parallel lives. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I am a big fan, Um, so, so you've talked about this a little bit, but just to dive a little bit deeper and, you know, in terms of systemically, what does
3: good sex education for people with disabilities look like in your mind? Um, Well, for one, it exists, so that's a starter, Um, but (laughs) it would, it would be just coming, um, to sex education for humans with disabilities with an open mind and not coming to it as, okay, I need to coddle you and talk to you about, a lot of times what I would run into for sex education for disability, for humans with disabilities is if it did exist, it was mostly targeted towards A lot of intellectual disabilities or developmental disabilities Mm -hmm. where it was not so much speaking about the physicality of you know actually having sex or pleasure or what pleasure looks like for someone who maybe can't have traditional sex penis and vagina as we would think you know what what does that look like for someone who can't doesn't have movement below their shoulders and um, how do we talk about pleasure for someone who does have sensory issues that can't, you know, respond the same way that say somebody with a uh, normal sensory system does. Um, so instead of just being kind of targeted as this is your body autonomy, these are good touches, these are bad touches. These are, you know, how you're going to be touched in healthcare versus like, it, it was very elementary. And um, something that we definitely need and is a huge thing that needs to be talked about absolutely. But there was just this huge lack of okay, but what if I do have you know issues in my hand hand dexterity? What does masturbation look like for me? Um, what if I do you know require? positioning aids in the bedroom, how, what does it look like trying to get myself into positions that, you know, if I'm a spinal cord injury that my body was once able to do, and now I can't, how does, how does that look? Um, And honestly, a lot of my background on this came from one being born with a disability, of course, but also just incidentally, I, my best friend uh, who was also my ex-boyfriend was paralyzed. And so I got to, you know, live through that with him head on. And he and I would have life talks of what he was paralyzed at. And he is totally fine with me sharing his dirty laundry on the air as I do it in a lot of my podcasts. So he just gets struck through the mud, but um, he, he was paralyzed at um, nine years old because of a spinal cord tumor and actually had a spinal cord removed from T12 down. Mm. So at that point in his life, you know, had no ab- ability to have an erection on demand, um, had, you know, no feeling below nipple line. What does, what did sexuality and pleasure look like for him? And as somebody who yes, was born with a disability, but a much different disability had never been with someone with paralysis. That was something that I had to learn. I had to learn that, Oh, okay. Pleasure doesn't look the same for everybody. And then I started thinking, well, isn't that obvious? pleasure doesn't look different. I mean, it looks different for everybody, not just, okay, a disabled person to an able-bodied person. From person to person to person, sex is different for each individualized person. Yeah. So it really became this, I would always get asked, you know, what does good disability sex education look like? Well, it looks the same as able-bodied sex education, just, you know, with a few hands raised going, okay, but how does that work for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's dive into that (laughs) specifically for your disability. And that kind of became. The thing is just, it, nobody was trying and there was no real, there was none <laughs> out there when I was starting to do my research. Yeah, so, yeah it was, it's been crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I, I feel like it's come so far from probably when, when any of us received sex education, you know, you and I in Southwest Virginia in like the 90s, early 2000s. And pretty much that entire talk was don't.
1: Uh, it yeah. wasn't much better in central Virginia. I just want to clarify <laughs> it wasn't much better. Um, but yeah, I think just the idea of it existing at all is just really profound that it is being a thing now. Um, because it, that's something that like, again, like in, 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 previous work has has always been, um, you know, humans with bodies tend to have these Sensations, or I want these experiences, and denying that is um, going to make it worse. Actually,
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember um, vividly, like trying to. I, I and I had always been fascinated in sex education, so I have tons and tons of books, just being the nerd that I am. But I remember the first time I ever saw a disabled body in a sexual education book. And it was like this little tiny square in the corner, just about, I don't even remember, it was a certain sex toy back in the day that had abilities for, so it was gonna work for someone with hand dexterity issues. And mm-hmm. I was just like, even though this was not something necessarily I needed, it was just like, I, I started sobbing and I'm not the most emotional person in the world. So that I was just like, I did not realize how much this affected me until it happened. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Okay. Yeah. Representation matters. (laughs) Well, Ryan, this is one
0: of my favorite interviews as of late. (laughs) I I am contractually not allowed to say it's my favorite interview because some of my coworkers (laughs) would sell me, but uh, we have had so much fun here today. If people want to keep the fun going and check you out on social media, where do they go?
3: Absolutely. So my main location is uh, the world of Instagram. You can find me on there under chronically underscore Rye. That's chronically underscore RY. You can also find the Chronically Rye platform on pretty much any social media you can think of. I'm active on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Clubhouse. (laughs) So if you're interested in following me on any of those platforms, um, also Ryan Mason on LinkedIn, I share my stories on there as well. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me on there. Uh, my messages in my inbox are always open. It might take me a little while to get to you, but I always respond. Um, and, and I was shaking her head because it takes me six months to answer my emails. I got a talent manager now to help with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But yeah, I'm um, very active on social media and I I love meeting new people and hearing people's new experiences. So feel free to reach out. I'm a total open book. If you have any questions about disability, disability and sexuality, uh, disability and healthcare, or just, hey, I really like your light up wheels. (laughs) That is the way to get to me.
1: (laughs) Again, thank you so much for joining with us today. It has been an utter delight.
3: (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. This has been awesome.
0: And now, a DLCV Highlight.
2: Are you a Virginia Net-a-hand member? If you answered yes, you had the right to appeal to certain decisions like having your service hours reduced and the right to breed certain actions like being treated poorly by a doctor in your network. The Virginia Poverty Law Center Offers a comprehensive guide to Medicaid appeals and grievances in the Honolulu. Visit slash Virginia Medicaid for a detailed guide to your Medicaid appeal rights. And then that's slash Virginia Medicaid
1: again thank you to ryan mason for joining us we had such a delightful time interviewing her and she's talked about so many different topics and again sex education for folks with disabilities is definitely super important Um, you know and as a self-advocate it's so great to hear her perspective so we really appreciate her taking the time
0: Yes. And don't forget to check her out on social media at chronically underscore RY. That's chronically underscore RY. And thank you all, our beautiful listeners, for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a favorable review.
1: If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, you can visit us online at dlcv.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA. You can
0: follow us on Facebook at the Disability Law Center of Virginia. Our social media guy just quit and we have a job opening and you can find out more about that at
1: dlcv.org. Until next time, I'm Ren Fizewski. I'm Virginia Ferris. This has been Rights Here.
0: Rights Now.